Pashus Mori Rabbi Rav Shech Tashlita Mori Da'at Tashlita Distinguished Rabbanim, ladies and gentlemen Rav Shechta was given the wonderful, wonderful responsibility to talk about the wonderful institution of marriage when things are working very well. And I was given an assignment to discuss not only some of those aspects, but also some of the darker sides, some of the problems that exist within marriage within our community. And I do so with a heavy heart. But I do so with the hope that perhaps, to paraphrase our Chazal, if even one marriage will be saved because of what I'm saying here today, as if an entire world is being saved, because that's what it is. Every family is a world. You heard before about the problem of money. I'm going to tell you a story. It's a mind-boggling story, but, but it's a real story. It involved an individual who was making a, a very good living, but he used his ability to make a living at the time when his wife, also very talented, but was unable to make a living because she was taking care of the children. Their children, not her children, their children. So this man has a chutzpah, to use the fact that he was earning a livelihood while his, while his wife was raising their children and could not earn a living to try to control her with the purse strings and she called me in tears my husband doesn't give me money I can't, I can't feed my children I said, what did you say? I said, I have no money to feed the children he's, he's not giving me enough money because I didn't do A, B or C this is something which is outrageous I want to go beyond there, Rav to Shalita. And my Talmidim and Yeshiva know this uh, expression. Uh, Rav was saying before about how much money a man has to spend on his wife. I have a different solution to problems of money. A very short and sweet solution. And the solution is, he earns it, she spends it. And I really mean it. That's the, that's the way it has to be. Again, assuming that the woman is responsible enough to spend for the reason. That's true too. But uh, most women are. And the man has the responsibility to support his wife, as we heard before. And I believe that the, he should just put the money in the bank, you know, direct deposits. And the wife should control the checkbook. Yeah, my wife gives me a few checks I keep around my wallet just in case uh, I have to do something. On, 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 on. But, 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 but she controls all the money. I, that, that's the way it should be. And this way, there's no fights, no arguments. Once in a while, there's a big ticket item, you know, a couple wants to buy a house. This husband should have a little bit of a say. But, uh, but generally speaking, if, the, if, if it's given over to, to the, to the Asian Chayim, and she's the one who knows what the, what, what, what's needed, she's the one who's responsible for it, that solves the problem. Truth is, we are now in the period of Sphira. The period of Rabbi Akiva's Talmidim, Shalonagu Kava Zebazeh. Not the time for lengthy Divrei Torah. It once explained that the expression of the Talmud, Shalonagu Kava Zebazeh, and the expression of the Talmud that there were 12,000 pairs of students, not 24,000 students, 12,000 pairs of students, may mean that the 
lack, the shortcoming, was not that they didn't have proper respect in general for people, but they did not have sufficient respect for their study partners, for the charusas. Zeb or Zeb, 12,000 pairs. This indicates that it's not enough to have a, a basic respect that everyone requires for individuals who are very close to you. And perhaps it's for this reason that that very same daf in the Septa Yavama Tafsan of Beis and Beis, we are taught at the end of the daf that our responsibility to love your wife as yourself and to honor even more than yourself is critical for marriage. And it's perhaps for that reason that we do not get married during Sirah. It's just a matter of, of our veil. Uh, and all those allowed to get married. But it's, it's, it's not a propitious time to get married. It's the time at which Am Yisrael did not fully appreciate what a deep spiritual relationship is, such as a chavrus. Well, even a more deep spiritual relationship is that of husband and wife. And if we didn't appreciate it then, it's a shortcoming. It's made not such a good time. That's why Lag Bomer is the most popular day of the year for marriages because that's the time when, when this problem ceases to exist for whatever reason, under whatever circumstances, and therefore gives us an extra push to get married. So it's very, very important that we recognize what marriage is all about. Marriage is a deep spiritual relationship. Yes, we're not. Uh, unaware of the important physical aspect of marriage absolutely but even the physical aspect of marriage is a spiritual one <laughs> it's not the time to tell horror stories but I, I got a call from a woman whom I know for many years complaining was telling me a complaint that a woman had about a husband and I'm, I'm sorry to say I'm just going to be very general, in the bedroom. He wasn't a mensch. And I'm thinking to myself, that's just a microcosm. He's not a mensch <laughs> by the dining room, he's not a mensch in the bedroom. It, it's all a matter of respect for a spouse. We have to understand that even the physical dimension of the marriage is a spiritual one. And you have to the utmost of, utmost of respect. This is, what, this is what the marriage is all about in every single one of its dimensions. And while we're on the topic, it's important to understand that a marriage is a private relationship. Yes, of course, the intimate part is private, but even beyond that is private. And that's why, as we heard before, it's important that parents understand not to intervene, not to meddle too much, to allow the, their children to, as we said, we said before, make their own mistakes. This is critical. And in case it's not that way, if parents are being too involved in a marriage. It's the responsibility of every husband or wife to explain in a nice way to parents, listen, my rabbi said, you can quote me if you want, I've, I've taken this on the chin before, the rabbi said that I'm not supposed to talk to you about this and if you're not supposed to be critical of my spouse, and we, just, we just can't go on this way. Cannot be. The marriage is, is Kurdish Kadosh. And I want to say one more thing. What if there are problems in a marriage? So Rav Pam Zichron Levrocha asked one of his Talmudim when he wrote a book on the, t- on the topic to put in the book and there based on Rav Pam's request that in case there's a problem with the marriage you should be referred to individuals who are professionals who know how to deal with it. How do you get professionals? If you want you go speak to the Rav Masada Kiddushin <coughs> excuse me or the, the Rabbi in Shul he has a Rolodex he knows who to, who to refer to it's not correct to go in this way to parents. Parents, because of their innate way of thinking, are usually unable to see clearly. And sometimes it can make things worse. Sometimes parents can destroy a marriage instead of repairing it. 
We're not discussing at a later stage when things are already, when it's over. That was, that's a different story. We'll come to that. But in an initial stage, you go to a rub, referring to a, a marriage therapist. There are people who can save marriages. <laughs> I've been involved in such cases. I must tell you, I once got a call. This is an important thing. A marriage, we heard before, is Kedushin. Kedushin means Kedushin v'tahara. Unfortunately, in the workplace, it's not always such a holy place. I'm speaking in understatements. Not always a holy place. And I'm telling you a story of a Talmud among one of my best Talmudim, Musmach, a Talmud Chacham, so many milers. Wonderful, wonderful Talmud Chacham. And one day I got a call from his wife that the whole marriage is, is, is hanging. What happened was, he was in, in his workplace and he was, every day, he would go get out of the office, go right to the subway, go straight home, he'd learn in the subway, say, And once he felt compelled to attend a certain social event, because where he works, every day they, they work from 9 to 5 with great pressure, and after 5 they have to let loose, they go to the bar. I'm going to say, anyone else who works in Manhattan knows what I'm talking about. Every day, every night. He always resisted for years, never went. Once he felt compelled to go because a co-worker who had worked for 10 years was leaving and he felt he just had to go. Because he went that one time and something happened and the whole marriage was tottering. Fortunately, I was able to find, through a reference, someone who dealt with them and who put the marriage back for Hashem. They're happily married. But I get a pachat every time I hear such stories. And I said, if this could happen to the best of the Talmudim, the ones with so much Torah, so much Jewish Shemayim, we see how the Yetzirah is so powerful. One false move, and an entire marriage can be threatened, Rachman al-Islam. It's so, so important. Another thing, marriage requires tremendous patience. Patience. Marriage is not something which necessarily has a quick fix. Tom of the mind once said to me, Rebbe, I don't know what to do. My wife is cold to me. She doesn't want to be with me. She's just, it's just shutting down on me. And we have, a, we have children. What should we do? I said to him, be patient. But, but I'm waiting. I said, just be patient. And be loving, be kind, even if you don't see it being reciprocated to you all the time. Thank God that marriage was saved and uh, they're, they're happily married and they're, they're married with children of their own. Again, a special schuss that they were, anyone's able to save a marriage, to be part of saving a marriage is an incredible schuss. But, de- but it demonstrates the dangers of what happens if things are not, people are not on top of it and if things are not done properly. The truth is that if one looks in Rav Desla's beautiful Sefer Mikhtar Melio, in his Kuntrus HaChesed, he explains the difference between a Torah marriage and a non-Torah marriage in one sentence. In a non-Torah marriage, a person enters into this relationship intending to receive. Like you would in a business. You go into business, you want to make money. That's the whole purpose of a business. So, as long as you're making money, it's wonderful. As soon as you're losing money, so if you're a smart person, you don't throw good money after bad, you sell the business. That's what happens. You're not going to make money, so you just sell it. There are those who, unfortunately, walk into marriage with the same approach. Look what I'm going to get in this marriage. I'm going to have physical satisfaction. I'm going to have companionship. I'm going to have love. And I'm going to have family. All good things, wonderful things. So, if things don't go exactly the way he wants, and some of these things begin to wane or begin to change a little bit so then he says, you know, or she says forget about it, it's not worth it we're just going to dispose of the spouse and they'll then start all over again 
It's a terrible, terrible, terrible attitude. It's unfortunately pervasive in the United States of America. That's a concept that we know, I'm sorry to use the expression, a trophy wife. Where in the non-Jewish or non-Torah world, a man will have uh, children with his wife, a number of children, and then uh, she's not so young as she was, as so beautiful as she was, partly because she was bearing his children. So he says, all right, he's going to start all over again, and he'll uh, hire uh, models uh, ten years younger, you know, etc. I don't want to give examples, those who know what goes on in the outside world know it's true. Rachman al-Islan! And if we see it happening even in our community, we should look at it as, as, as for what it is, as a Begida, as being traitorous, as being Rishalem Ra Tachatova. Someone is the most important kindness to you and you and you, and you, you respond in the exact opposite way. This is terrible. Now, Shech has pointed out in the past on many occasions that there is a prohibition upon an individual to divorce in the absence of, an, of a good reason. The fact that Rabbi Nagashim imposed the Cherem is a Cherem, is an excommunication. But even before that Cherem, there's a prohibition. The Gemara Mishnah the Gittin tells us that under normal conditions, a get is should not be given only if it's drastic, or something along, along those lines. Other than that, you have, the, you're, you're, you have the ability to do so. Doesn't mean you may do so. That doesn't mean that you have the ability to make you may do it. We have to be so, so careful in these relationships. So that therefore, in, in Rav Desla's model, a proper Torah marriage is exactly the opposite of the non-Torah marriage. Instead of entering into the marriage with a desire to constantly be receiving, and therefore you're measuring, am I getting more than I'm giving the other way around, it's exactly the opposite. A person should enter into a marriage with the, with the intent of spending an entire lifetime of giving. Marriage is a lifetime opportunity to perform the mitzvah of Gemilus Chesed in the closest possible way. That's what it is. And therefore, if ten years down the road, turns out that you're perhaps giving more than, you, than you're receiving, not that you didn't expect that, terrific! Give you more opportunity to fulfill the mitzvah of Gemilus Chesed in the closest possible way. That's not a reason to end the marriage. On the contrary, that's a reason to maintain and to flourish in the marriage because you have the opportunity to perform this mitzvah of giving, which is the very essence of a marriage. And Rav Desta goes on and says, so he says to every couple, if you will understand this lesson properly, you will always be happy and you will always love your spouse. Unless you think, how can you love a spouse when you're giving more than you are receiving? So Rav Desta responds that he has seen in his experience, and the psychologists have, have borne it out as well, that a person loves someone or even something to whom or to which he gives, not from whom or from which he receives. That's a reality. He gives a story there, a World War II story, where a, a parent was separated from the children and was unable to give for the formative years. And they got together after the war, was unable to establish the same loving relationship. Because they said, what do you mean? For five years she was on vacation. So, so, uh, so they didn't have to give so much to those. Precisely for that reason, that love wasn't there. Love is a result of giving. And that's how in marriage a person should always try to be on the giving side. You know, you always hear these brothers, you should always be from the givers and not from the takers. So you know, people say, oh, I can't give a hundred dollars of stuff, oh, I'm a big giver. That's nothing. That's nothing. It's easy. Are you a giver to your spouse? There's so many people that I know. They're big givers. They'll raise their hand for an appeal, a hundred dollars, a thousand dollars. And then they're going out to do it to, to, to well-known in the community for what they're doing. But behind closed doors, Rahman al-Islam, they could be tyrants. 
tyrants controlling a spouse like this, either with money or with other kinds of potential abuse, or Rahmana the Slan the worst with physical abuse. I happen to be one of the Rabbanim who's helping out a group called the Shalom Task Force. Rahman al Islam, we're getting calls about individuals who are simply being hit. We heard before what a terrible Aveir it is. It's a terrible thing. But you know what their what their uh, mantra is. It hurts to uh, report such an event, but it hurts more not to because it repeats and repeats and repeats. Some of us were at a uh, con- conference some years back. Again, our Palm Zakwanabaka was there about the terrible, terrible scourge was Rabbi Dr. Twersky called it now the name of his book, A Shame Born in Silence. And Rapam was crying over the fact that perhaps the yeshivas are to blame because they're not giving enough attention to the importance of marriage. They're spending too much time, as was he asked about the anexos and the nasivas. And he said, you're right, you spend more time in marriage. Boys in my shia know that I spend a lot of time talking about how important it is to be a proper husband. And I tell them, if you come to me down the road, you with your wife, and there's a problem, you'll expect I'm going to be on your side because I know you for five years in my shia, and her I only met at the wedding, you're wrong. It's so important that we, 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 we do not allow men to be abusive. Not a woman, of course, may also not be abusive, but in, the, in this physical area, unfortunately, it's, it's too much in the other direction. Proportionally, it's a terrible thing. It's, a, it's not only it's ulcer, but it's so anti Torah. And therefore, an individual has to be so careful not to become angry, male or female. There's a wonderful book about marriage called The River, The Cattle, and The Bird by Rabbi Feldman Shalita. And I used to teach that to my Talmudim. And fully one-third of the book is about anger, about kas. Now, anger is not limited to marriage situations, but it's so important that a person should control himself and not become angry within a marriage. And here's why there's a person who can control himself in shul, although not everyone can, also most are abundant, no. but even an individual who can control himself in shul and won't get, won't, won't get angry and yell at the rov or at the god by whoever, most of us are able to do that, will come home and will start venting. And even saying things to his wife which are, which are wrong and he can never take them back. Once it's out there, you can't erase it. It's always just somewhere there and deep, deep in the consciousness. First, you think so many times, should never, Khalila, raise his voice t- towards his wife in, 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 in a confrontational way, or vice versa. To try our best to do what we can to maintain Shalom Bayit. Now, there are times when there are tensions. There are tensions. My time, have heard this as well, that some of the tensions are attributable. The Chazal are very aware of this that sometimes a woman finds herself in a somewhat emotionally fragile state. And there are a lot of contributory factors to this, some of them even hormonal, depending on, on the stage of life that she happens to be in. And sometimes, therefore, she will be led to tears. And the Gemara tells us in the Sefta of Avimitsiya that uh, because she is so sensitive, her, she sometimes will cry. I say all the story from Abdullah Lipshitz, the Chronicle of Rocha, who came to a young man who was just married to a wonderful, wonderful Rebbeson, and I know them both personally. And Abdullah came to him, and his first time after his marriage, and said three words Zivet Venin, she will cry. 
Okay, I don't know what you're talking about. There. What's he saying? I'm married for a few months. Everything is fine and dandy. Everything's terrific. They told me after a few years he understood what the Rebbe was talking about. That every woman, no matter how strong she is, there are times in life where various reasons she's overworked. She doesn't get enough sleep, and the children pulling on her, and, and all kinds of other things. So she she is dimasamitsuya. It's called a gemara, basically dimasamitsuya. She will cry. And you should know that in advance, and know that it's nothing to get panicky about. It's, 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 it's very, very normal, and you have to be more supportive than ever. These are basics of, of proper Torah marriages, taught to us by Gedolei Hadar. And therefore, we have to try our best to work within our marriages to develop the meter of chesed, the meter of kindness, the meter of, of closeness, of warmth to the greatest possible extent. This is how a Torah marriage can continue and thrive. Of course we understand that there's also a meter of sinius. The meters of chesed and the meters of sinius that we spoke about in the past go together. We know about the meter of chesed from the story of Eliezer and Rivka. But if one looks in the Kriyaka on the very same parasha, Parashat Chayisara, aside from this simple text which talks about Chesed, when she fed, gave water for the camels, there's also an undercurrent of the Midah of Sneers with someone in the remote and the Kriyaka refers to Ish Lo Yada, no one knew who she was, she wasn't a woman who was running around, around town, she was a Hakrain Olafana, it was just an, an accident that she happened to be by the well. And this is something which is very important, not only in the selection of a marriage partner, but also in, the, in, in maintaining a marriage. With the utmost discretion, it's so important, as we heard earlier, that the, the marriage be, be a discreet institution, and that people should not be worried about what other people are doing, and, the, and, and people have to just honor the privacy of, of a marriage. These are rules and regulations which apply to each and every marriage, without exception. You have to conduct yourself in this fashion. Clearly, as was mentioned again before, the issue of kibbutz of aim is, is critical, but within limits. The spouse has a prior shibut. We just read in Pashat Kedoshim, Ish, Imo, Ve'obev, Tiro, Rashi says in the Gemara Mesech, the Kedushin, that an Isha is Rishut Acherem Oleha, there are times in which she's exempted from the fulfillment of Kibar Ave'em, or more accurately, the Mora Ave'em, because she has a commitment to her husband. If you ask me, it doesn't only mean in this direction, maybe in times of uh, gone by, it was more in that direction, but the world has changed so much today, it's in both directions that a, a spouse, male or female, has a first commitment to his or her spouse over and above the commitment to the, to the parents. And I think the lumbus behind it is, as the Chazanish says in, a, in this context, that if a parent demands something of a child which is unreasonable, there's no mitzvah to obey that request. The father will tell the son, I want you to walk around the block all day. You're not required, you're not responsible to follow what he, what he says. You should ignore it. Anyone that asks a child to do something for the parents which goes against the, the Shalom bias, it's, it's not a reasonable request. Now, there could be borderline. So whenever there's a borderline question, is it reasonable or not reasonable? Like anything else in Allah, you have to ask a rub. Yes, the Rav, and the Rav says if the parent's request is not, is not reasonable, you can tell the parents 
that it's just I can't uh, I'm only going to be the bad guy at the road they asked the rabbi he said it's not a reasonable request and the amount of possible can I, can I talk to the rabbi yes I, I've, I've been in the middle a few times where the parents I think it's very it is, it is reasonable so it's like any other thing Shemar ben Achechem have to hear both sides and you give the best answer you possibly can but, the, but both parties should realize that we're trying to lead our marriage of Peter what happens is things are not going so well as we mentioned before we try so so hard to maintain a marriage especially if there are children Remember, if a couple is blessed by a Kodesh with a child, this is the greatest possible gift imaginable. Don't you feel a responsibility to do whatever you possibly can to, to watch this gift? As the Gemara has the story of Bruya and Rabbi Meir, it's a picard that's given to you to watch over with every fiber of your strength and your capacities to take care of, of this child. And don't you understand that an intact marriage is, is so critical to, make, to be able to fulfill this mandate properly? Whatever we possibly can. And what it really means is to be ready to recreate yourself. To be ready to, as we say in our language, to be mevater, to give in on things that you thought were critical. No, you can live without it. In any event, as we said before, the essence of marriage is, is gemilus chasada. If you have the proper attitude, this, this crisis should never exist in the first place. But even if you were, had an improper attitude, it's never too late to change. It's never too late to say, you know, until now, I wanted things to be done my way, and I couldn't tolerate a different way. And now I realize that this is incorrect, and I'd be willing to do things another way, especially if it makes my spouse happy. And if it's necessary to maintain the viability of the marriage. This is so, so important. Unfortunately, there are cases in which the marriage is not maintained. And the Gemara tells us, Afilim is Beach Mora loves the most. It's, it's something to cry about. If, if, if a couple, I used to say sometimes that, you know, someone's being on the telephone, and all of a sudden I get pieces of news. You know, so the piece of news that used to get me sometimes you hear never hear about a, a Leviah that's a t- terrible terrible news oh, there's a certain finality it happened but it's the worst news I used to get were either I just got to call someone was diagnosed with a malignancy some kind of cancer it's, you hear that news it's like <laughs> and the other kind of news was a couple that I saw was, was happily living happily together that there was a crisis in the marriage and it's maybe maybe over you know what it's also a malignancy it's also a cancer the son which is growing in the marriage and it's just, it's just going to chalil v'chas bring it to an end or threatens to bring it to an end. You want to cry. You just want to cry. It's such a terrible, terrible thing. It's, it's worthy of crying about it. And it's back even cries. Clearly, there are cases in which the marriage cannot be held together. It's true. Uh, marriage, marriage is supposed to be, but there are cases when, when marriage cannot be held together. It's just, for whatever reason, it just, it just can't do it. What happens then? So per- permit me for a moment to make a pitch for an ounce of prevention. This is called the prenuptial agreement. This is an ounce of prevention which uh, is not only worthwhile in the case, in the unfortunate case in which the marriage actually breaks up, but it even can be helpful in seeing to it that in some cases it will not break up. How so? If a marriage is, is in trouble, you often find couples that are jockeying for position. Mm, we'll go to this cause, we'll go to this best, we'll hire this lawyer, we'll go to this. And that could be the final nail in the coffin of the, of the marriage. 
because they're jockeying for position. But if they would know that in case there's a problem, they have already just designated a particular bezin, and the bezin is going to have handle it. There's no need to, to jockey for position. There's nothing to talk about. So they can focus more of their energies in trying to save the marriage. If Khalila, the marriage has to end, then the prenuptial agreement sees to it that the issues will be, t- will be taken care of by a bezin. And as I tell couples, what this does, especially I'm speaking to husbands, it saves a person from his own base instincts. Not just here to save a woman from a situation of aguna, which is part of the historical genesis. It's here to save a man from his own worst instincts. It gives him an opportunity to make a reasoned decision at a time when he's in, when he's in control of his, uh, of his senses and he's balanced and he loves his spouse or she loves her spouse. And they make decisions. In case of a problem, we'll take care of it. The same as Lahavl in a business deal. Smart people say, if we have a problem, we'll go to A, B, or C to arbitrate. So they shouldn't have to fight about it later on. The same thing is true in this kind of a circumstance. What should happen in these cases? Just today I received a phone call. Unfortunately, a couple seems that they're breaking up. And I said, why don't you go to mediation? Mediation. That means you go, instead of right away hiring divorce lawyers with, with, with tremendous expenses and the things get exacerbated. Mediation. A person can just meet between the parties. And you never know. Once in a while, he didn't put the marriage together. But even if he fails and the marriage has to break up, you know, you have to know how to get married like a mensch. You have to know how to break up like a mensch. Some of these things we got the worst in us, unfortunately. And uh, whoever's been through this, you know, with any connection, whether it be in family or whether it be in the community, knows that, how, how terrible this can be. And the, and the losers ultimately are the individuals themselves. If they'll win a battle in court or in bed, then they'll lose the war. These battles are just not worth fighting. So I tell everybody that comes to me, just not worth fighting these battles. Just make a compromise of Shara. Just let it go. Truth is that these type of circumstances should be extremely rare. And the question is, why is it? We have to look at ourselves in the mirror. Why is it, those of us who are old enough to remember, that 50 years ago, there was hardly any divorce in the observant community. I remember when I, it's exactly 50 years ago, when my family moved into Kew Garden Hills. We moved. And we dived in a big shul at the time, the young Israel, a huge shul, some of you know it, the hundreds and hundreds of people. And there was, a, there was a whisper that, you know, somewhere in the front row, there's one individual and he's divorced. Like with an old taboo. You know. I, I, this is in my memory. I'll tell you exactly when it happened. Now, Rahman al Islam, it's, 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 so, it's so common. What happened? What changed? A lot of things changed, and it's hard for me to give a full analysis. But one of the things that's changed, forgive me for saying it, is that there's, there's more money in our community. And money sometimes gives people the wrong way of looking at things unfortunately yes, the outside world affects us we are not uh, living in an island and we are part of an outside world in which these problems have certainly exploded Uh, one in two marriages ending in divorce in the community at large and it's affected us significantly 
We have to do our best to protect ourselves and our and our most loved ones from these influences. We have to lead, as we said before, a life of kedusha. Sometimes there are divorces which have to take place because the kedusha was breached. Rahman al Islam. I'm going to say something now which you may count, sound kind of from left field, but I know <laughs> unfortunately more than one case. I'm not sure if Rav Shach Moshe will agree with to this piece that I want to promulgate. I would like, in my shul, I can do what I want. That's my shul. I'm here, I'm a guest. But in my shul, I promulgated an iser. It's prohibited for anyone in my shul to have a personal trainer of the opposite gender. Some of you may not know what the word even means. Uh-huh. You know what I'm talking about? You do know. It's a new thing now. Personal trainer, you're going to put you in good shape. Da 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 da. And unfortunately, we've had cases of, of individuals being unfaithful with a personal trainer. I think it's prohibited. You know, doctors, we have no choice. I mean, maybe there is a choice if you have a, a doctor of the same gender would be preferred. But a doctor for medical reasons and doctors a certain measure of responsibility. I mean, there are, there are wild sorts of doctors too, but they're, they're few and far between because they can lose their licenses, etc. Trainers don't have licenses to do whatever they want. And, and it's terrible. Now, again, not the topic for today, but the internet's a problem. And our chef, the leader, spoke about spending time with your spouse. At an earlier Torah web presentation, one of the experts in the field told the following story, which just proves the point. A man had absolutely no time for his wife. He was busy making money. No time for her. He provided for her very well. She wanted his time. And the Gemara tells us that a woman would rather have time with her husband and one-tenth the money. But he was busy in making his money and no time for her. So, but what am I going to do all day? Take, we're taking care of the kids. But I need some, something to, to stimulate my mind. Something. So he said, you know what? This thing called the internet. And I'll teach, show you how to use it and how to go on it. And he taught her what the internet's all about. And he continued to have no time for her. But he, guess what? She found people who did have time for her. Yeah? She found people who did have time for her. And the, this is a horror story, but it's, but it's a true story that he told us. That he just didn't see what's happening. He was just busy at his work and she's just getting further removed and is leading separate lives in the same house. One day, he walked into his house. The baby was crying. His wife's shape was left on the table. And she ran away with some truck driver on an 18-wheeler on cross-country. That's an extreme case, I, I can see. But it indicates what can happen if a person has to be no time for his or her spouse. You have to have time. The most important thing is to spend time together. Make time. Look at the rub. The rub is such a busy man. He's so busy with so many things on his head. And he made time to walk around the lake. <laughs> that's, that's a good husband. I've seen Rav Shaf to walk out. He was around the lake, but uh, uh, walk with his Rebbe and she should sit here by the lake. So it's, 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 uh, well, the lake was very big. You know, it was too, too, big, too big to walk around. But, it's such an important thing to spend time with a spouse. You know, it's, 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 it's very, very important. And the busier a person is, whether it be in business, profession, helping Claudia Yisrael, too many people, it's something you wonder, there's so much involved in Sarkei Tibur. Is it because they really want to do it? Or they're escaping from their marriages? I've seen too many times, you see, retroactively, we understand why he was so involved in the outside. Because he couldn't stay at home, he, was, he wasn't living with Shalom with his wife. I want to tell you what I tell my Tamidim. 
the Sefer Haredim says that a person can do everything good, can learn Torah, can do mitzvahs, can be also with Torah Chetibur. But if he doesn't treat his wife properly, when he goes up for a din v'chesim for a Kodesh Baruch all that's going to be thrown in his face will be worthless to him because he didn't treat his wife properly. You always wonder, why is that so? He should get the mitzvah uh, rewards for doing the mitzvahs and be punished for mistreating his wife. The answer is that if he doesn't treat his wife properly, all those mitzvahs and Masin told him, he doesn't get any mitzvah points, he's just escaping his wife. He's learning, he's another Alan based medicine, another another daffa. He's just doing to get away from her. He doesn't deserve anything. A man who loves his wife wants to spend time with his wife, and she's willing to give up her time with him as he marches in the Brachas, so that she gets tremendous schar. And he also gets schar, because he also wants to spend time with his wife, and he instead decides to spend more time in learning Torah, because she allows him to, to do so. Frankly, I believe that a, a young couple, when shortly after the, of the marriage of the couple, they're better off if the husband stays home at night, and if he wants to lower the chavrusa, so find someone to come to the house. I was up at the counter of Shechna's house, when I was a bocha, and he was uh, fairly newly married, and he invited me to come to his house to learn. We learned that we learned every night. It was great. When I got married, I had to give that up. So we learned to live in the afternoon, okay. And I had a chavrusa one come to my house. I mean, we, we learned together, and it was such a beautiful thing. The, the, the wife here, the Kol Torah, here, the Chavrusas, you know, yelling at each other, and after the Chavrus is over, it was a piece of cake, and a little juice, it was a whole thing, so social time. It's a beautiful thing. I have very beautiful memories, both when I was a Bokha, and when I was the married one, having a Bokha in my house. These are memories you don't forget. So we establish a, a, a home based on, based on Torah. Whenever I was able to, I would try to learn in my house. I know that people say it's better than the Beit Medrash. It's true. I'm not, I'm not against that. But my children grew up and they saw me learning in the house. Such an important thing. That's what, and, and the wife has to see. The wife has to be able to respect her husband. And she has to respect him because of who, of who he is and what he does. When a person gets married, that's the time to become a better person. Until now, when you were a bacha. The Rambam says that when a, when a we used to have this hanging we have it hanging on our wall that if a person gets married lo ragzon he should not be sad nor should he be uh, have, have have anger. What does it mean? It doesn't just mean he shouldn't be angry at his wife. He shouldn't be angry at all because if he is sad he is angry his wife gets upset. You're a bocha. You're sad. You're angry. It's at your own cheshbon. Once you get married it's, it's, it's coming out of her eyes. You have to, you know, you're upset, you had a hard day at work, before you enter the house, okay, you're good. Mm-hmm. No. Hello, good evening, good night, how, how, how's your day, great. You're allowed to tell an, an untruth, to miss her to tell an untruth, for and Bayes, the Gemara tells us. You had a terrible day at work, the boss yelled at you, and you have all kinds of problems, you walk in and everything is great. If you're able to do something, that's what you should do something. And you should, should try to be happy and try not to be angry. These are the responsibilities that the Rambam says, to make a proper marriage. And there are reciprocal responsibilities upon the wife. There's much more to be said, but my time is up. And one of the Yisodas of Enam Lachaveros end on time. 
So I give a bracha to echo my Rebbe that all of you should have shalom bayis in your, in your marriages in, in, in the perfect way. And if there are imperfections, you try to correct them. If they can't be corrected, they should be taken care of in a, in a proper fashion. We should all be zocha to see generations to build both them their monabi Israel. Amen.